He's holy regardless. The question is this morning, is He holy to you? That particular song is taken after those verses that we see in the book of Ezekiel when it says that there are angelic beings that are forever in the presence in the throne room of God. And it says that these beings have to, they have six wings, they have to cover up their eyes, they have to cover up their midsection, their torso, and they have to cover up their feet because the presence of the Lord, because of the glory, the radiance of the Lord God Almighty shines so bright and forever they are raptured up, they are caught up in an atmosphere of worship and praise because of the glory of the Lord. And it says that all they are able to say is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Church, I want to tell you this morning, He is holy, amen, this morning. He's holy. How y'all enjoy the worship team this morning? Amen. So I'll just be brief, but some of you that was not here Wednesday night, y'all notice we have a new piano player, we have a new member of the worship team, hallelujah, and I'm very, very excited about Brother Billy Sims and his family, amen, to be here with us now. I had called him up myself, and I contacted him this past Monday, and I was able to talk to him and link. You know, it's hard to get off the phone with two people that really like to talk. And I think Brother Billy likes to talk just as much as I do. Amen. So when we get together, amen, we have many, many things to talk about because we both enjoy talking. But I told him, I said, Brother Billy, the Lord has laid you upon my heart and some others, and I really feel like you were meant to come and be a part of what God's doing at Unity Prayer Center. Amen. And he said, Brother, I'm so glad that you called because the Lord has been laying the exact same thing upon my heart. Amen. And we will come into agreement with this. And hallelujah, I'm excited. Amen. Today is just the beginning, hallelujah, of what the Lord is going to do. Amen. So I'm very glad to have him and his family here with us. Amen. I know many of you know him. He's from the community. And many of you know him. He's even, I think, attended this church for a small while, years and years and years ago. So be sure to welcome them here, him and his family. And hallelujah, his lovely wife, Miss Becky, is here with him also. Amen. And their first grandchild, am I not mistaken on that? Their very first grandchild there. So we got all these new babies in the house this morning. Amen. Which I'm glad to see. Amen. That it's not just full of folks with gray hair or folks that their hair falling out like me. Amen that we do have some new life in this church, amen? So we got baby Sophie back here with us and some others. I see Lily back there with her new baby and some others. So be sure to love and to kiss on these babies too, amen, because they are precious, amen, they are precious. But I am excited today about the service. I'm excited, amen, more than anything about the presence of the Lord. Church, I think we get so caught up in our busyness, we get so caught up in our agenda, we get so caught up in our works that sometimes we just forget to spend good quality time in the presence of the Lord. And so I tell you all the time, when we have an opportunity to come into His house, to seek His face, to hear His word, to hear from the Lord, to 
fellowship with one another, which helps us, amen, along this walk, along this journey, along this life that we have. But it is also another opportunity for release. And so that's a thing you hear me say all the time, but I really want us to begin to look at worship in that context, amen. It is about praising Him. It is about honoring Him. It is about glorifying Him with our voices, amen, which comes from the heart. But it is also an opportunity for you and I to release unto the Lord, amen. You see, as the Lord fills us to an overflowing capacity, we have we should have so much love to give. We should have so much unction to give. We should have so much passion to give. We should have so many praises to give unto the Lord. And as we go throughout the week, amen, you can honor, you can praise Him at your house, you can do all those things. But church, I want to tell you, there's something about coming together corporately and honoring and praising Him. And it's also another opportunity for us to just release unto the Lord. Amen. Give him some praise on that. Amen. It's, hallelujah. That's good this morning. Church, I do have a message for us this morning. I will try and complete this message. Amen. There are some things I want to tell you ahead of time that I want to do right after service this morning. For one thing, we're going to call Brother Jeb up. He's our newest board member that's on the board, and we're going to anoint him. We're going to lay hands upon him as a body. Amen. That the Lord would instruct and give him wisdom and intellect and unction, amen, as he seeks to serve in this new position, this new responsibility. And then also, amen, there's some others I want to call up for prayer. So please, this morning, if you can stay right after service, stay. If you have somewhere to be, then we totally, totally understand this morning. But if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament, to the book of 2 Samuel this morning, chapter 4, 2 Samuel chapter 4. And the message I want to minister to you today, I'll title this message, Lodabar. Now we've all heard the story about Mephibosheth, we've all heard about where he dwelt, we've all heard the specifics of that, but the Lord had put this strongly upon my heart with a new take on this entire message that the Lord gives us. Church, how many of us know this morning, I'm talking to believers that are in the house today and looking through the house, I would say majority, if I would hope not all of us here today are believers in the Lord. I've been able to talk with all of you, and I know that only the Lord knows the heart, but you've expressed your salvation, you've expressed your desire, you've expressed your desire to grow, you've expressed your desire to live for the Lord, all of those things this morning. So I would say that the majority of us here today are believers in the Lord. So this is definitely a message for the body. But I want you to know there is something that continues to plague God's believers, God's children, God's saints. And it's something that continually rises up in different forms and different formats. But it continues to plague us over and over again. And I'm not talking necessarily about sin this morning, but I am talking about some of the repercussions or some of the things that come because of sin. And there is one overwhelming thing that continues to come against us over and over and over again as saints. And church, that thing is fear. You see, many of us have come to know the Lord as our personal Lord and Savior. We walk with the Lord. We live for the Lord. We do as much as we can for the Lord. We want to increase in the Lord. But oftentimes there is one thing that prevents us from moving further and deeper into the Lord, from growing even in of ourselves, and it's something that continues to come back and to haunt us time and time again. And that thing is fear. 
would go as far as to say this morning that as you're sitting here and you're listening to this message from the Lord, you would say, yes, I can look back and see where I had fear in this category. I have fear of my past history in relation to this. Will the people accept me? Will the people love me? Will the people forgive me? Will God forgive me? Am I worthy this morning? Can I step out into this? Can I move into that? Can I grow in this category? Is this the place for me? Is all those things prevalent and all those things rolled up? Usually because of some type of history, we see that fear plagues us. It follows us and creates a place to where we dwell in a place where there's no growth, there's no pastor, there's no future, there's no nothing in that place. And I want to tell you this morning, that place is called Lodabar. But hallelujah, how many of us this morning know that God wants to call us out of Lodabar? Church, He wants to call you out of that place where there is no hope and where fear has ruled and reigned, amen? God wants to call you out of that place. Let's go to the Lord in prayer briefly this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for another opportunity, Lord, to speak your word. I thank you, Lord, for all these souls, Lord God, that have gathered, Lord, to honor, to praise you, and to hear from you today, Lord God. Lord, continue to bring further unity at Unity Prayer Center, Lord God. Not division, not discord, but let our hearts be knit together, Lord, as we progress forward in you, Lord God. Let us grow in love towards one another and love towards you. So today, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this word you've given me. Lord, I would just ask that it would not return void, but the saints would hear it, they would receive it, they would understand it today, and they would be able to apply it to their daily lives, Lord God. So, Lord, I thank you above all, and, Lord, I ask for the anointing today to preach your gospel, your good news. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. In your Bibles this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4. Now, we don't have an enormous amount of information about Mephibosheth. There are some certain details that are pertinent that we know about Mephibosheth. We know that Saul was anointed the first king of Israel. And we know that as he was anointed, he was called into this position. It says Saul was head and shoulders above the average man. So it's believed he was maybe over six feet tall, sometimes maybe six feet six or something like that because the average Israelite man was somewhere around five foot or five and a half foot. So Saul was head and shoulders above every man. He would have to be way above six feet. But we know that Saul was a very tall man. But the Lord had told the people through the prophet Samuel, you do not need a king. I am your king. And there's going to come a day and a time where I'm going to appoint a man who is going to be your king. But now is not the time. But the people kept asking and kept begging, please send us a king. Please send us someone that can make these decisions. Please send us a king. We don't want to function under the prophets anymore. We don't want to function in this place. We want a king. So God says, fine, you want a king, you're going to get a king, and he's going to put you in bondage. He's going to take your sons into war, and he's going to have you poor, and he's going to take all your sustenance, and it's all going to go unto him. You will get what you ask for. 
And we know that Saul was named this king, and immediately we see Saul as a man of war going to battle and winning some major battles and doing all of these things, but we see something that keeps coming up with inside of him is his very relationship with the Lord. And Saul was afraid, like many of us are, that the things that he had, his place, his position, his possessions, was going to be stripped away from him and given unto another. You see, Saul, in his very heart, also believed through fear that he was not worthy of being a king. And so because of this, he was always on the lookout for who God was going to bring after him. Were they going to be greater than him? Were they going to possess more than him? Were they going to conquer more battles? Were they going to be touched by God, spoken to God more? Who is going to be this other person? Because I always feel that my position is threatened by another. But how many of us know this morning, church, if God has called you to something, amen, the enemy in man can never take it away. If God gives it to you, amen, the enemy cannot take it away from you. Church, one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses is fear that grips man's heart. And fear will have you dwelling in Lodabar for the rest of your life if you don't allow the Lord to pluck you out of that place, hallelujah, and put you in the place that he's called you to be. But it says that many things began to happen. We know that David slew the giant, and all of a sudden we see that the Lord has anointed David to be the next king, and Saul seems to know this, and they go to war, and Saul has totally fell out of favor with the Lord. He does not follow after the Lord. He does not seek the Lord. He seeks to do whatever he thinks is right. How many of us know in Proverbs this morning that it says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. And so we know that they went to war in Jezreel and that Saul and his son Jonathan were slain in this battle. And Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, who was the grandson of King Saul. This is all prior to David. And we know it tells us this in 2 Samuel chapter 4, in verse 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame and his name was Mephibosheth. So we see right here that most of the time what would occur is when there was a new king, there was a new monarchy coming into play, they would literally slay all the descendants of the previous ruler so that they could not rise up and seek to take a claim to the throne once more. And so we know a lot of this happened, that all of the descendants just about of Saul were slain. So the nurse takes up this young child to be believed to be about five years old at this time, and she, in her fear of what was coming and her fear 
fear of potential death, in her fear of potentially losing something, in her fear of trying to save someone else, in her fear, this child who is innocent, who literally does not know what is going on because of her fear, and she's trying to run with this child. And how many of us know how hard it can be for a woman to try and run all out speed with a five-year-old boy? We don't know how big he is, but trying to carry him and run all out speed and run in this fear and live in this fear, somehow she probably falls or she drops him. We don't know the distance that he fell, but the Bible is very clear to tell us that somehow he fell, and as he fell, because of the injury, we know that he is now lame on his feet. Because of the fear of another, it is stark repercussions that are upon this man named Mephibosheth. This man will now be lame because something happened to him early in his walk, early in his life. The fear of another affected him with lifelong repercussions. Church, I would ask us this morning, how many of us have been wounded because of the fear of another. How many of you saints have been wounded because of the fear of even another saint? Maybe early in your walk this happened. Maybe somewhere in your walk that happened. And because of that, because of that fear of another, maybe you made the wrong decision with them. Maybe you threw in your lot with them. Maybe this happened. Maybe this disagreement happened. Maybe that happened. How many of us have left churches, amen, and we look back and years later say, I never should have left that church. I knew I should not have done that. The Lord was not leading me in that direction, but I'd made this decision and because of the fear sometimes even of another I was out of God's will and I was in this place I never should have been even years later church fear grips us in many different ways and we know that because of the fear of another this child was too young to even know what was going on he is now wounded and is lame for the rest of his days Turn me over in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9. David, a man after God's own heart, has now become king of Israel. And David has began to set the kingdom in order. Church, are you ready for some order in God's kingdom? You know, the Bible is very clear to tell us if we wound and backbite one another, then we're going to be consumed by one another. The Bible tells us to grow not weary of well-doing, lest we faint and we reap not. David begins to set everything in order in the kingdom. And 2 Samuel chapter 9 says this, And David said, 
the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. David speaks to everyone and says, is there any descendants, is there any more king's children that are out there that we don't know about, no matter where they are, they are still king's children. You see, there was an agreement, there was a covenant that I made many, many years ago, and hallelujah, how many of us know that God never forgets covenant, amen? And so David proclaims it out to anyone. It doesn't matter who they are, and it doesn't matter where they are. Are there any more king's children out there that we can bring to be here with us in the palace as also with the king and with the other king's children because I made a covenant with Jonathan many, many years ago. Well, Brother Joy, what covenant was that? Turn with me back to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1. Now this is immediately after David, believed to be somewhere in the age of 15 to 19 years old, whenever they were 20 years old, they were called a man of war, a man of war. And what the Bible tells us clearly that when David slew Goliath, that he was a youth. So David was definitely between the ages of 15 to 19 whenever he slew Goliath. But this is immediately after the youth slays the giant, hallelujah, in front of the army. And we know that Jonathan, the son of the current king, laid eyes upon David and immediately saw the anointing upon David and got behind God's order of government. Hallelujah. Come on, church. And verse 1 says this, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David in his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Now, I'll tell you something here. I've heard the gay community talk about these exact verses and say that Jonathan and David stripped themselves before each other and they loved one another like they loved their own soul and they want to blaspheme the eternal word of God which makes me very, very angry to fit their own sin. Church, that is not scriptural and that is not what the Holy Scripture says, hallelujah. What it says right here in this reference is this. Now, the Bible tells us that we love the sinner and we hate the sin. And I hate the sin. Amen. It says that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. I 
Actually, when you look in, in chapter 20, we're going to look at in just a second, when you look at these verses, it says that he loved David as a man loves a woman. Now, this does not mean that they were gay, but how many of us men in the house, us husbands, know this morning that you, in an instant, would give your life for your wife and for your children? Are there any men, any husbands in the house this morning that can say amen to that, that I would gladly, in an instant, give my life for my wife and for my children? Amen. That's what it's referencing here, saying that he loved him in that type of love and that I would give my life for David just like a man would give his life for his wife. Amen. Come on, amen. The Lord's good, is he not? Amen. Come on, I don't care if I'm really stepping on anybody's toes this morning. Amen. Sin is sin, amen, and we got plenty of it out there. It's just not that type. But I want to tell you, it creates holy anger and fire within me, amen, when I see people corrupting the eternal word of God, which I have based my life and trust upon, amen. And I will not let anybody do it if I hear it, amen. In chapter 20 of 1 Samuel, it says this, in verse 14, 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 14 and you shall not only while I yet live show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not, but also that you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. This is Jonathan and David talking here, making a covenant. No, not when the Lord has cut off your enemies of David, everyone from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant, verse 16, with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan calls David to swear again, because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. So we see here the covenant that was made, the agreement, amen, the contract is another way to look at covenant, between two parties. And so David, going back to 2 Samuel chapter 9, David, as he begins to set things in order, he begins to proclaim this. There was a covenant that was made a very, very long time ago, but now it is time to bring the blessings, the fruition of that covenant back into play. And I want to know, is there any more kings children that is off in a place that they should not be because hallelujah I'm going to honor the covenant that was given and we are going to bring them where they should be which is back hallelujah into the king's palace praise the Lord for that in 2nd Samuel chapter 9 says this in verse 2 and there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba and when they had called him unto David the king said unto him are you Ziba and he said your servant is he and the king said is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him and Ziba said unto the king Jonathan has yet a son which is lame on his feet and the king said unto him where is he and Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. 
Now, this place, Lodabar, was the word Lodabar literally means pastorless, meaning you cannot grow anything in Lodabar. This place was a place of desolation. It was a wasted land. In fact, it was like we would see on TV, one of these old like ghost towns, one of these old westerns they go to, amen, and the wind's blowing and there's nothing but sand and you're wondering what they're eating. I want to tell you, amen, if that was in these days, that would be Lodabar. It literally means it was a place of no hope, no future. It means to be in a place where it is pastorless. There's no grazing, there's no feeding, there's no sustenance, there is no future there. So because of fear that rose up in another affected this young child so that as he began to grow, as he began to continue on this journey, as he began to continue into his future, there was something that had plagued him because of fear, for fear kept continuing to live in his life, to be present in his life, and it caused him not to function as he should. It caused him not to live as he should. It called him not to have blessings, not to have sustenance, not to have anything, and he dwelt in a place where society would put its rejects because no one would ever come looking for anybody in Lodabar. He grew up living lame in Lodabar because of fear that had been there almost since the beginning. Am I preaching to anybody in the house this morning? Fear. I would go as far as to say every one of us has some type of fear that has affected us in our journey, in our walk, in our relationship with the Lord. And a lot of times it's due sometimes to fear of another that has caused us to stumble, to fall in our own walk. Come on, it may be your history. It may be your past sins. Maybe you had an addiction problem. Maybe you don't went through two or three marriages. Maybe you done did this. Maybe you done done that. Maybe you have all this history. And so because of that, you're always thinking, well, I can't step out too far. They're going to bring up my history. I can't do this. They're going to bring up my history. I can't do that. I don't even know if God really forgives me. And because of that, we continue to live in this place where there's no growth. There's no future. There's no meaningless. There's no nothing there. Church, we continue to live and dwell in a place called Lodabar because we're afraid if we stay step out of Lodabar that the Lord is going to strike us down because of our fear and our history. But the king, but the king calls out to all of the people and says, is there any more king's children that are not Notice here how he talks about Mephibosheth. Notice the verses that we looked at in chapter 4. Every time Mephibosheth is mentioned, his infirmity, his lameness is always mentioned. So imagine every time someone says your name, they also talk about your infirmity. Do I have any Christians, amen, that it seems like every single time someone wants to even mention your name, they want to bring up the past. They want to bring up what you did. They want to bring up all this. They can't even say your name without trying to bring up your past, without trying to attack your character. Every single time that Mephibosheth is mentioned, they don't even say his name. It's like his name is synonymous with his being lame. Every single time they bring him up, they have to bring up his lameness. Every time. 
but the Bible, hallelujah. God makes no mistakes, church. In fact, Mephibosheth, his name actually means, it means image breaker or shame destroyer. You see, man wanted to put a stereotype on Mephibosheth, but God in all his glory, hallelujah. How many of us know he uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise, hallelujah. Come on, this old sinner wouldn't be standing up here preaching to you today, amen, if God didn't do that. Because let me tell you, I was lost, but then I was found. I was in darkness, now I'm in light. I had no love, now I'm overflowing with love. I didn't care about the things of God, now I can preach to you, amen, consistently and try and drag you also from that pit back into the kingdom, amen. God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise, hallelujah. David the king, David, does not mention Mephibosheth's infirmary. In fact, this is what David has to say about the king's child that has to had to live in Lodabar. Verse 5 says this, Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Come on, church, I don't know what he sent over there, but I would say he was a king, amen? In fact, the Bible tells us he was a man for God's own heart. I would go as far as to say that David probably rolled out the royal carpet. He probably sent some chariots over there. He probably sent some soldiers over there. Come on, it probably wasn't just some old meekly messenger he sent over there. He probably rolled it all out, and he probably called Mephibosheth and drove up there wherever they were at in Lodabar, wherever they were up in that pastorless place, wherever they were living in that place with no hope, no sustenance, wondering if anybody even knew that they were there, wondering if anybody remembered that they indeed were also king's children, but had been hiding out in this place for so long because of fear, amen. They had a name, but fear kept them in this place. I would think David sent chariots over there to pick them up. And verse 6 says this, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold your servant. And David said unto him, Fear God. Your time of living in fear is done. has crippled you, the fear that has held you back, the fear that has kept you in Lodabar is over. Man's not speaking. The king is speaking. Fear is done. said, I will surely show kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore you all the land of Saul that your father's, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. 
notice David does not say Mephibosheth the lame. David says, you are a king's son. And I want to tell you today, fear is done, and you no longer are going to dwell in Lodabar. You, from this day forward, for the rest of your days, are going to eat from the king's table. I am going to restore unto you, hallelujah, the years that have been taken away from you because you were wounded by fear. Imagine Mephibosheth's mindset. He probably thinks he's being called to the kingdom to be killed. I've been running and living in fear for so long that it finally, finally caught up to me. They finally found out about me. And my time is up. But how many of us know that David was a natural king here? But there is a king of kings, and there is a lord of lords. And I want to tell you some over 2,000 years ago, there was also a covenant that was made for you and I. You see, it doesn't matter what kind of history we have. It doesn't matter if we've been living in Lodabar. It doesn't matter any of that, amen, because the Bible tells us that there was a covenant that was made that in my blood is the New Testament, that my body is going to be broken for you, and I'm going to sacrifice for you. I lived a holy life for you, and I'm going to give up my life, my blood, amen, and I'm going to die for you, that if you will just confess that I'm Lord of your life, if you will just come unto me and you will repent of your sins. I want to tell you you may have been a sinner, you may have been lost, but I want to tell you today you're going to get a new name and you're going to get a new title because you are going to become heirs and join heirs with me, which makes you also king's children. Hallelujah. King's children. We have the same benefits and blessings afforded unto us through the covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. Church, that is the right term this morning. I want to tell you, we got benefits, amen. We have place, we have position. Come on, we're not little gods running around making ourselves equal with Christ. That's retarded. I get so tired of hearing that junk. We're not little gods running around, but we are king's children. Hallelujah. Woo, give him some praise this morning. My Lord. <laughs> Church, I know this word was for the body today. Probably all of you have been in fear through past mistakes, past relationships, always afraid how far can I really go how much can I really increase how much can I really do am I worthy let me tell you something strong if God forgave you for your sins and your trespasses you don't let any man ever hold you back ever again ever the Bible tells us clearly 
will confess with our mouth, believe it in our heart, amen, we shall be saved. The Bible also tells us that if we ask him to forgive us of our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. It's not in the mind of God anymore. It has been cast as far as the east is the west. They can come at you all they want. What about when you did this? What about when you done that? You can look at them and say, I did do all that, but that was the old man, and hallelujah, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I'll praise him. I'll honor him. I'll stand up in the house of God. I'll tell him I love him. I'll tell my fellow believers I love him. I'll tell him I have eternal life. I'll tell him I got blessings and benefits coming my way, amen, because it's not of my own righteousness, but it is because of the covenant that I entered into by faith and fear will not stop me anymore. Church, you ready to come out of Lodabar? Come on, stand to your feet with us this morning if you would. Brother Billy, would you come back for a few moments, please, brother? Brother, whatever the Lord lays on your heart this morning, amen. Oh, he's good today, hallelujah. Church, I just feel his, his love just overflowing today. Come on, this is a word for saints today, amen. I hope it spoke to your heart. Church, we don't have to fear anymore. We can walk, we can move in God today. If the Lord spoke to you, I want you to know these altars are open. This is, this is your altar. It's not the preachers, the pastors this morning. It's, it's yours. The altar is a meeting place between you and God. When you step out by faith, He meets you there. Would you come this morning if that word was for you? Come on, I know it was. Would you come today? Oh, would you come today? You want prayer? I'd love to pray with you. Come on, let's just come unto the Lord today. All of us, amen. Would you come, amen? Oh, thank you, Jesus, today. Help us, Lord, to come out of Lodabar, Lord God. Come on, the Bible tells us if we'll just humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways, then He will forgive our sin and He will heal our land. Amen. He will take us unto a new place that's full of sustenance, uh, we don't have to be in the pastorless place. We can be in the place flowing with milk and honey. Come on, where the still waters run, where the grass is green, amen. He is our shepherd today. Oh, if we'll just come to him. Come on, I want you to just lift up your voices and begin to pray to him today. Come on, all these at the altar today and all those in the congregation, just lift up your voices in prayer to him today. Just begin to talk and speak to God once more. Church, would you come today?